to Sin City with Nick Manessis and Dane McLean. Live chat about everything cinema, from new releases, iconic films, and plenty more for you movie lovers. Live for CMRU.ca. And now, to the men behind the mic. Welcome, welcome, MRU, to another chapter of Sin City. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Manessis. This is your co-host, Dave McLean. Thank you guys for coming today. Joining us is Ben Goodman and our special guest, Maddie O'Toole. Congratulations, Maddie. You're our first female guest. Woo! I'm excited. Yay for diversity. How are you doing, Maddie? How are you doing, Ben, today on this Sunday afternoon? I'm doing okay. Ready for some seventies movies? Yeah. Same. Yeah, Excited I got some lists here. and stuff. And again, Maddie, I see the poster. Jaws. Yeah, Jaws. It's a topic. Very exciting. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Sorry. Sorry. Or is confusion? So let's let's get on the business. So today, 45 years ago today, came one of cinema's game-changing films, Jaws, which I'm told is your favorite film, Maddie. I can even see the poster in the back. Yeah. I'm a little bit of a super fan, you might say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that. By the way, Jaws also happened to be one of the first films I watched. Basically, I I watched it back in my in my apartment in Spain for the first time when I was six years old. Oh wow! Cool memory. That's awesome. Were were you scared, Nick, at six watching Jaws? Oh hell yeah! (laughs) I mean, it would scare me at age thirty, and I've seen it. So just yeah. It's very well done, obviously. Detention. And also, uh, Jaws was also a huge production nightmare because the, 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 the crew couldn't get the shark to work. In fact, that's why they called it Bruce. By the way, Bruce, they named Bruce after Steven Spielberg's lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, also like it really, and also what even made it more pain in the ass is that two of the actors, Richard Dreyfus and Robert Shaw, they didn't like each other actually. Fighting on set. Yeah. Oh wow. Glad they figured it out. And uh, yeah, it, it seems like a project that could have failed a few times, but it it worked out. It worked out. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's like a documentary on it, isn't there? Like a making of Jaws. Oh yeah, there Jaws? is. Yeah, I think I've only seen that. I haven't actually seen Jaws. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not start to finish. Blockbuster at the start of the episode. Oh. I haven't seen I haven't seen it like beginning to end, but I've seen like scenes from it. Yeah. But that's great. <laughs> you gotta add it to your list. It's, yeah. Yeah. I, I do. I do. This I this have... episode will be about, about selling Jaws to you, Dane. <laughs> I, I don't need it to be sold to me. I know it's good, but I okay. need the push. I need the extra motivation. That's for sure. Just because you can't watch everything, but that, I will fit that into my my uh, summer watch list. Absolutely, awesome. you have to. It's funny you say that because a lot of people consider Jaws like the start of the summer blockbusters. That is true. And like for the summer blockbusters, you know it. Like because yeah, and uh, Jaws so it's perfect season to watch it for sure. Mm-hmm. And not just yeah. that, the jaw. Uh, you go first, and you finish. Sorry. Oh, oh. Um, I was just gonna say, yeah, Jaws. So that was 1975. Um, I'm I'm interested to see like how much, how much money did they make? Whoa, 470 million dollars. Yeah. Is, I don't know if that's all time or yeah, that must be all time. But that's crazy. That's that's huge. Yeah. That is a massive hit. Breaking news: Jaws was a big hit, <laughs> <laughs> and, no, and not just a big hit, but 
it practically saved cinema because the 70s Hollywood entered a huge like slump a huge economic recession and just it really 70s was a huge year for for film like trying out new ideas taking risks and and Steven Spielberg he was very young when he made this film he was 27 like he, he had like little experience beforehand in the film industry so it was really impressive for him Wow. This is yeah, early days. Thing, yeah, one one thing that's super interesting about Jaws is there's one scene that takes place at night and you kind of see like Jaws hitting the side of the boat and stuff like that. And apparently the shark wasn't working that day, which seemed to be like a reoccurring theme during the whole <laughs> filming period. So they actually filmed it in Spielberg's swimming pool and filled the top <laughs> with tennis balls to make it look like it was at night. Oh no way. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, movie uh, magic. Yeah. Totally. So low budget, but big movie. Mm, absolutely. It's crazy. So I've heard a lot about like the actual like mechanical shark and um do you guys know any more details? Like is that shark still around? Like is it like in a museum or something or what have they done with it since uh well what i heard of it is that it's kind of the prop for it is in the universal studios in orlando florida ah, that makes sense okay it makes sense yeah i might have seen it then but hmm, that's crazy oh is that do they have it like oh i think i actually saw that when i was there as a kid if it's the same one i'm thinking about I was at Universal, like, 20, or 2006, probably. That's interesting. Right. Wow. It's amazing. So, Jaws, how how high on your list do you have it, Maddie? I know I shouldn't just jump into, like, lists, but I'm I'm interested. Is that, like, your all-time favorite of the 70s? It's my all-time favorite of, like... Every movie, like it's the top of my list. Just like I have a really nostalgic feeling when I watch it. It's kind of like my childhood movie, and like sharks are my favorite animal as well too. So it just kind of like correlates with that. What age did you first see it, Maddie? I think I saw it when I was maybe like nine or ten, because I was always interested in like thriller and horror movies. And my dad was like, "Okay, you gotta check this one out. Like, this is the first one you should watch." Hmm. And I actually was never scared to like swim in the water after (laughs) that, which I heard a lot of people were, and some people Mm -hmm. still are. So. Yeah, no, it's kind of like the first movie that introduced me to, like, suspenseful thrillers and that jazz. Nice, nice. Yeah. Excellent choice, yeah. Thank you. And also, to those who don't know, Jaws is actually inspired by true events. Like, have you guys ever studied or learned the the shark attacks of 1916? Mm -hmm. Like those were the, the very first shark shark attacks ever like really? the, at that time people they they sharks always existed but at that time people didn't know that sharks were capable of you know killing humans like they thought they were just these harmless creatures but 1916 proved them wrong basically. little did they know <laughs> Sorry. that's interesting and like you have like the the whole uh yeah the paranoia surrounding sharks after that but then also i I don't know if you guys watch like i don't know which there's some good show kind of like critiquing i think shark week which was basically debunked a lot of the myths around sharks that you know actually people kill more sharks than the opposite the reverse like we do more damage to sharks than sharks do damage to people so that's also a very interesting sort of um idea that maybe maybe in some ways indirectly i don't know obviously sharks have attacked people but also there's been yeah. a lot of uh horrible um horrible things done to sharks too by by a lot of uh people so um interesting documentary to look to i don't know the name i can't remember but it, that was something that changed my perspective quite a bit mm-hmm. worth checking out I should know this. Um, yeah, I don't remember the name. I'll, I'll Google it. 
Yeah, there's another documentary too by a Canadian filmmaker called Shark Waters. Um, mm. He's the filmmaker that passed away a couple of years ago, Rob Stewart. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good one as well that just shows like, especially with the shark finning industry in Asia, like uh, uh, how much yeah. money is put into killing sharks and like endangered species of sharks as well. Yeah, hmm. that might be what I'm thinking about shark water, maybe, or something similar. But yeah, yeah, there's, it's crazy. It's crazy, the industry that exists there, so it's pretty sad. And so I think, yeah, there's a relationship between people and sharks. There should be some movie that's like, a shark saves a person or something. Maybe that'll shift the perspective of <laughs> everyone's opinions on them, because obviously we need to get along better. <laughs> it's true, we all just gotta get along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're not like no they're sharks. Yeah, sure, they attack humans, but that doesn't necessarily make them well, you know, evil. Like animals have no actual malice towards humans. So. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. It's just like the idea of kind of uh, we're expanding too far into the environment, natural environment of these animals, and you know they, they're they're have their needs to to eat so it's like we have to respect their needs and try not to get in their way and you know it's a complicated subject but it's interesting it's definitely interesting well i never thought this podcast would go scientific and biological And and so, and yeah, like uh, Joss really like it was probably as you all mentioned the most successful film of all the time until two years later with Star Wars, basically. Oh yeah, I've heard of that one. <laughs> so I have a question for Dane. You can have earmuffs because I know you haven't seen Jaws, but to pose mm-hmm. it to Nick and Maddie, if you this is maybe a tough question. Favorite scene in the movie. Or just first one pops the head. Mine would have to be the the reveal where we get our first glimpse of the shark, leading to the whole "we're gonna need a bigger boat" quote. That's just perfect introduction. Yeah. Like for the like for the for the whole movie until then, like we we didn't see the shark. We just saw we saw it from its point of view, and here we finally get our glimpse at the monster that we all know and fear. And fun fact that we're gonna need a bigger boat was actually improvised. Hmm. When one like, iconic line and just yeah, improvised. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite scene, well, definitely the first one that popped into my head was the beach scene. Uh, where you yeah. have all the people playing in the water, and then you have that super intense zoom. And then you see everyone starting to rush out of the water and it's just the kid pops up with a little fin on his back. I think that like it just I don't know. The suspense it created was just it's funny and perfect and Yeah. Good. And then it's like there's more stuff going on. Like the more I've watched it, just watching like the extras in the background and stuff, like you can kind of see some of the kids coming to the left of the screen because Mm -hmm. later on you find out that the kids are on the rowboat kind of on like the side of the beach Mm -hmm. and that's when I think one of the first attacks happens is with the kids playing on that little dinky boat kind of in the like ravine beside yeah Mm. and that one like that always comes to my mind is like Quint he has that big Indianapolis speech which is before like kind of the calm before the storm stuff happens and just it's this really amazing kind of monologue he gives i don't know if that like i don't know was that improvised i'm not entirely sure i mean maybe but it's just robert shoves it's an amazing performance and great speech mm-hmm. yeah. let's see mm-hmm. yeah and also of course that that opening scene too, I was of course another that comes to mind. You know where the the young woman at Chrissy, where she goes in, and she she's basically the first attack. And fun fact for that scene, they they had her they had her like put on a har- a harness, and they they were pu- pulling her down from from the water, controlling it with remote control to give the impression that she was being attacked. 
and it worked quite wow. well. Mm. Worked really well. Yeah. 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 This film is definitely like the the first film that comes to my mind whenever I hear '70s cinema. Like this. This is really like the '70s. Like I think to me, the '70s is the most important decade in cinema because it's what inspired all these new I- new ideas. Like had young inexperienced filmmakers to take new risks and introduce more heavy topics because the decade before that, the '60s were more innocent times, but the '70s introduced stuff like you know more more swearing sex and drugs too like people were not ready for this yet yeah shift in like cultural attitudes societal attitudes i think and what what was acceptable and not acceptable in, in yeah. film after the vietnam war kind of stuff and just things mm-hmm. very 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 interesting transition between the two decades yeah and it's reflected if you look at like you were talking about Nick. It's definitely reflected in the films for sure. You can definitely see it. Yeah. And not just a big year for cinema, but also for TV, because the seventies was where we got our first glimpse into HBO. Mm. Well, that's true. That was created then. Home box office. And just back then, it was because that's you, people often don't know what HBO stands for. It was just like, hey. We're gonna pay for a channel that just has unedited movies and like sometimes like boxing fights. But now there's of course there's all these TV shows now and all that. But yeah, it was just people like pay cable like this, pay however much a month just to see because it was such a novelty back then to see unedited, uncut movies because everyone's just cut with commercials and all that. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Interesting. And of course, the 70s was the rise for new young directors from the, like Francis Ford Coppola, Martin Scorsese, John Carpenter. Yeah. This, yeah. this really was the beginning, basically. Really the start. That's true. Like so many iconic movies have come out of the 70s too. Like I was just kind of going over the list with my parents and they're like, oh my God, that came out in the 70s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, I remember watching that in the theater. So especially when I think of summer blockbusters, Jaws always comes to my mind because it was the first. Like Absolutely. it sets the tone for movies coming out today. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's so good yeah. that, in fact, if there's one film that doesn't deserve to be a franchise, it should be Jaws because the sequels. Well, let's not talk about. Yeah, let, yeah let's <laughs> let's just mention it and just cut it off there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> terrible. <laughs> one perfect movie, and I don't know about these other things. I don't understand. What went wrong? Do you think? What was the what was the big flaw in these sequels? Well, they're solely commercial driven. It's like, hey, we got a big hit. So then it's like one of them, like Jaws 3D. I know we don't know what to talk about. Just it's like because 3D was just bump bumping. That's a term. It was just popping at the time. Bumping, popping. Technical mm-hmm. terms. But so just like the early days of 3D, it's just like, hey, let's like let's have Jaws, and it's like popping at you, and like we don't they don't know if they have the good story there, and like Spielberg dropped off, and just because he's so much the key to the yeah. success of it, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Jaws four. Oh God, Jaws the Revenge. That was like the low point franchise. Oh God, oh God, I'm having PTSD. Oh, it seems they got good actors too, like Michael Caine. Like, like what the heck? <clears throat> come on, come on. And then there's that scene where they have the shark roar like a lion. Like, like what the? Oh. Jesus Christ. They need their science lesson. We need, they needed us back then to tell us about sharks. <laughs> you don't know what talk about. <laughs> Michael Caine, he, he was nominated he was nominated an Oscar for his other film Alfie, but he missed the ceremony to do this crap. Like <laughs> shame. Tragic. Yeah. Very, very tragic. (laughs) Do you think they could revive it today and it would be any good? Like a modern Jaws? Oh, that scares me, though. Yeah. I mean, just because it's been, it's just, I don't know. 
Do you think it could be done though, like at all, or just no? No chance. Nah. My no. take is always like, why not just create like the new Jaws? It isn't called right. Jaws. Like, mm-hmm. just use that kind of ethos. If I could use the word ethos, and like make a new like original concept that kind of has that feel, but not as like ripping off like the IP, the intellectual property. You know, make a new creation, but just. Because it's just the first one's so perfect, and just you know, otherwise, some of these reboots and stuff, it's like they're kind of references, like "Hey, remember that?" and then rather than like create like a new, unique kind of organic experience. At least I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fair there are a few exceptions, of course, to other like um, imitators of Jaws. Like there have been good shark movies. Like uh, you guys seen the Shallow, the Shallows. Oh, I've heard of that. I haven't seen it. Uh, it's with Blake Lively. Like it, it feels very real, realistic. The scenario, like it's really not, nothing cheesy or over the top. Basically, mm-hmm. what would happen if you were really surrounded by a shark? Like it doesn't feel too Hollywood. It feels almost like a documentary kind. Oh yeah. And the CGI in that movie is probably the best. I've seen in like recent years because they always mess up CGI on sharks and like I'm not saying it's perfect but it's just like the best out of the bunch well that's good well so that's a good example because they could have remade Jaws but then they do something else making a shark movie with the shallows and just kind of do its own thing Mm -hmm. it reminds me of um, Open Water have you guys seen Open Water? oh I remember that I haven't seen it though I think that's quite similar to The Shallows, I think. Yeah, it's 2003 survival horror film. It's like a stranded couple who goes to get stranded scuba diving. And they have to survive just floating in the ocean for the whole length of the movie. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. scary. You just reading the description scared me. (laughs) (laughs) It was okay. Like, it it was all right. I don't know if it holds up today. I don't know. I haven't seen it since like I was a kid, so right. maybe, maybe maybe not. But it was memorable. Oh, another good one. Uh, have you guys heard of Deep Blue Sea? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's more on the Jaws sequel end of the pool. Yeah. Cartoony kind of. <laughs> mm, it's, uh, it's more of a popcorn movie let's say you, it's a guilty pleasure film you just watch it just to contain yourself yeah and that's it yeah, uh, yeah I remember that one very well <laughs> one of the 500 movies Samuel L. Jackson has been in yeah <laughs> but still that's how you know uh, you go first minute sorry for interrupting Uh, so, sorry, I thought you said something. I'm sorry for interrupting. Sorry. No, it's all good. I wasn't going to say anything. Uh, well, that was awkward. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, you go, you go first. <laughs> no, after you. <laughs> we should have like a buzzer or something to like yeah. alert everything. But like, um, yeah. Deep Blue C2, um, I'm just looking here at the CGI. It looks pretty. Yeah. Mm. Not. Not. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's very studio, like done in studio kind of thing. You can tell. (laughs) Just like it does not look like they're underwater at all. (laughs) It looks like, yeah. It's kind of key parts of a movie of that, you know. You want to make sure they're underwater. You should at least get that right. Like, you know. I mean, come on. It should at least look somewhat like you're in water. But, (laughs) I mean. Science. Okay. <laughs> Zil, that that's how you know like a film is so good, like that they it's so great that they try so hard, too hard actually, to capture its glory, to capture what made it good. So many sequels and imitators. That's how you know the film really is on top. All the copycats mm-hmm. that don't do as well. Yeah, but I mean they still make money, which is surprising. But I think they're just. Yeah, producers just banking off of the the nostalgia that people have for the original Jaws, trying to. Yeah, and you get like, know they can, yeah, you kind of get the diminishing return, especially with those sequels. Yeah. It's like the like Jaws two, I imagine, did really well. I mean, I guess they made so many of them, so but then it was like once people were like, oh boy, 
that was not as good as Jaws one. They they stop going, but then they start, and it just it goes down and down as they keep putting them up. Yeah, fortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And since we're close to the halfway point, let's say we start with everyone's lists, their top three favorite films of the seventies. Let's start with our guest, Maddie. Ladies first. Well, obviously, top of the list is Jaws. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah. I had to. Um, Second for me is Rocky Horror Picture Show, which a lot of people haven't seen, but it's kind of like an underground cult classic movie. Um, And then for my last one, I really struggled. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I loved Halloween. I loved Alien. But I ended up going with Grease because it's just so nostalgic. (laughs) It's kind of cheesy, but... I made a noise after all those choices because they're just such like pro, like tip, like pro, like classic, iconic '70s movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Greece, the one with John Travolta. I thought you said Greece as in the country. Like, I th- <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. I'd see that though. John Travolta, and Olivia Newton-John in Greece. You know? Yeah. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> We should do it. We should do it. We should. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fun, fun idea. Yeah. Great choices, Maddie. By the way, and now uh, let's start with BG. Your turn, man. Oh me? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I guess that—that's my only initials here. Um, so I wrote a lot. I did, so I'm going to try and do all this. I wrote some of this at three in the morning, so my apologies. No worries. So just, I'm going to try to rapid fire this as much as possible. Real Life 1979, that's the first movie that Albert Brooks directed. Stars Brooks and the great Charles Grodin. It's a parody on like the PBS series American Family, which is kind of, was like the first reality show. Watching now, it's like someone is kind of creating reality TV as we know it, or at least kind of the tropes of a producer kind of inserting himself into the action and wanting more drama, which is Albert Brooks's character. Really, like the first comedic, like mock documentary ever, and um, also another com- comedy, The Jerk, which is directed by Carl Weiner, written oh, okay. by Steve Martin and Carl Gottlieb, Gottlieb, who played Meadows in and Jaws Connection. Steve, Mar- <laughs> Steve Martin and the Great Bernadette Peters, the the anchorman of the seventies. It's like there's an amazing joke every minute. It's a favorite of both mine and Sam Weir on Freaks and Geeks. How could his girlfriend not laugh at The Jerk? That's when you know you have to break up with her. The Jerk, directed by Carl Reiner, written by Steve Martin and Carl Gottlieb, who played Meadows and Jaws, Connection, starring Mart and the great Bernadette Peters. It was the anchorman of the 70s. It's an amazing joke every minute. It's a favorite of both mine and Sam Weir. How could his girlfriend not laugh at her? That's when you know you have to break up with her. When old people, no, not me, I'm not that old, talk about what comedic genius Steve Martin is, they think primarily of this era, which mm-hmm. Coincided, we did stand up in the 70s, truly invent work stands the test of time. Don't get me wrong, I still love Steve Martin to this day. His work with Martin Short is genius, and his character in Nancy Myers, it's complicated, makes me cry every yes. single time. Tremendous, good. Um, I wrote a lot here. I am so sorry. Um, um, I wrote a thing about Five Easy Pieces, the Jack Nicholson movie. I talk about how I, I love that movie. It's a 70s character study. Um, being there, Hal Ashby, the Peter Sellers movie. That's very good. Um, I wrote a lot here, but I realize this is too long. Um, Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3, one of my favorite movies ever. Oh, Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Stars Born, the Barbara Streisand, Chris Christopherson one, which I love that Lady Gaga, Brad Cooper one, mm-hmm. but this will be the one closest to my heart. Play Evergreen, written by Paul Williams at my funeral. Uh, All That Jazz, Bob Fosse, starring Roy Scheider from Jaws, another connection, credible, one of the best endings ever, and then yeah, some other stuff. That's nice. Very nice. Nice choices, nice choices, BG. Now we move on to our friends, John Swan. Let's hear your list, man. So, I guess we'll start with um, some, um, I didn't really like number them, but uh, first one I'll talk about is uh, Rollerball. Ooh. 
Um, it was actually remade in 2003, I think. But the uh, the 70s one is definitely better, and it has um, what's his name now? I'm blanking out here. My bad. Uh, who played um? I swear, I just. I was like obsessed with this movie two weeks ago. What's his name now? Roller. Anyways, um, I'll get back to that later. But it's basically a post-apocalyptic like um type movie, except it's a dystopian type thing where it has like um it has this game. It's sort of like a Hunger Games sort of thing where like players actually like die in the game, mm-hmm. and um, it's almost like a. It's like a rollerblade, like uh, sort of. It's like uh, it's kind of like a race almost, but like uh, they have to like fight each other in like the actual like roller stadium, and like people get killed and stuff. Oh man, that's gnarly. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just trying to envision this. I mean, it's a good movie, but man, that'd be horrific if that. Well, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, um, I also like it too because the. It's not just about the rollerball game, too. It also, like, deals with, like, what is right for society because, like, the main character, he's starting to... Because he's a rollerball, um... He's a rollerball, like, champion. He's starting to, like, question, like, this, the society's, like, motives and stuff, whether he's, like, actually doing what he should be doing so that he kind of, like, goes against it and stuff like that. Brings it down from the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm blanking out on his name now. How do I not know this? Uh. Oh, sorry. Yeah, James Caan is in it. He's mm. the main character. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was like, I was blanking out. James Caan from uh, Sonny Corleone from uh, The Godfather. Beef. But it's, it's definitely an underrated, like, 70s film. I think it came out 77, I think. Uh, and, 75. 75. Yeah. And it was it was actually based on a short story that someone wrote on in the like magazine during the 70s and then they made it like a year later. But it's mm. it's pretty cool and it and it inspired other movies later on like uh, Death Race 2000 which also came out in the 70s. Did you um did you have any connection to the main character being Jonathan E? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I um <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess so. <laughs> I forgot about that, but yeah. Because <laughs> you want to survive, so Jonathan E, it's like you're him. It's like I gotta survive this rollerball game. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that, that's um, true life and death stakes watching a movie. Yeah. But it's uh the, I'd say the movie's kinda of like a combination of like uh a clockwork orange and a little a little more drama though and a little bit less like well it is a pretty dark movie but like not like stanley kubrick dark yeah mm-hmm. but yeah it has really great like set design too which is really cool mm. and yeah so that, that'll be uh yeah they're not really numbered but like for uh, my next movie, it's uh, probably has to be uh, Mean Streets, nineteen seventy three, Martin Scorsese. So I, I really like that movie because um, it's definitely like I'd say it's like one of his like underrated films almost, but it's also like one of his best films in my opinion. Yeah, and I just really like. It really puts you in the place of like the early like seventies during that uh, time and era, and it, it deals with um not so much like uh um not so much like the um like the uh like the mafia in like The Godfather, but like maybe like a little bit like of a, a lower class in like the New York um in the New York area, so. Well, it technically still is like a, a mob movie kind of, but it's just, it's uh, definitely more organized crime. And I I think it's one of uh, Robert De Niro's, like, I think it's his second movie. Yeah. But I, th- I thought he did really well in that too. 
And it starts a lot off and, for Sir Scorsese because, like, that's where he starts using the Rolling Stones music a lot in his movies, which yeah. carry over to this day. All the all the trademarks. Have you guys seen that movie, by the way, Main Streets? Uh, not yeah. yet. I got it recorded my DVD. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely worth a watch. Um, what's his name? Harvey Keitel is in it too. Yeah. Uh, Pulp from, Fiction. Uh, yeah, from Reservoir Dogs and uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Pretty pretty good uh pretty good soundtrack too. I like how it starts with yeah. Be My Baby. It starts, baby yeah, Be My Baby. Yeah, Brian Wilson's that's... favorite song. Like the beginning of Mean Bean Streets, you can be my baby, Arctic Monkeys <laughs> reference. Right oh yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. yeah, I just I just love okay, how great that's and, a good Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I just love how gritty the movie is, and it almost has like this sort of like indie film, indie indie vibe to it. Except it's like the seventies, but that's also probably why, because it's like one of his first movies. So, oh yeah, the seventies was a huge year for Martin Scorsese. It's not just Mean Streets, also uh, New York, New York, and of New course, York, York. Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver, and yeah, that again, that movie was. Um, Main Streets, that was the first collaboration with Robert De Niro and uh, Martin Scorsese. Fruitful the first of, like, many. Yeah. Bear a lot of fruit, if we keep going this metaphor. <laughs> yeah, bear a lot of fruit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Third? Um, third, um, it was definitely hard to decide, but I had to go with the... Um, this marsh this australian martial arts movie and actually uh bruce lee was supposed to be in it but he actually um he actually like died uh before he was he could star in it and i'm not sure if that fact is real or not so don't quote me on that but it's something that i read on the internet but the movie's called uh the man from hong kong okay it's a pretty awesome movie it was so since the 70s also it was like the height of like the martial arts era but this movie is like it's a combination of like um the martial arts genre with the like espionage era so it overall it kind of feel, kind of feels like a a james bond like martial arts type movie which is like pretty awesome and for like the time the stunts in the movie are like really amazing like the car chase scenes were like really well done and like someone like commented like how is like no one injured like while making this movie because they do a lot of like practical effects and i think it was like lower budget as well but yeah, it's it's definitely one of my favorites from the seventies. I think that was yeah. 70s, seventy seventy that was seventy five as well too. Yeah. <laughs> and I also really love the the soundtrack in it because it has a jigsaw sky high in it, and that yes. also sounds like a James Bond theme itself. Your anthem, John Swan. Sky high. Yeah, I was gonna play. I was gonna play that for, for my aborted talk show in the office project before the world yeah. happened. <laughs> that's that gonna be your walk-on song damn it's like, know. It's like a, a wrestling entering song <laughs> very chill wrestling entering song it's it's such a powerful song though if you yeah. listen to it it's it's very bond theme yeah good good choices john theme. swan and now oh yeah and again uh so one more thing to add um that movie was actually um it's one of Tarantino's like favorites, and if you watch it, you can tell he was like influenced a lot by it with like the soundtrack choices and like the effects and stuff. But really great, marsh underrated martial arts movie. Hmm. Oh, and yeah, sorry. Um, if you guys have seen the my bad. Um, if you guys have seen the first, actually the the first Mad Max and like uh, the remake, yeah. the guy who plays um. What's his name? Uh, who's the villain? Uh, Joe? Uh, yeah. I forgot his name. Joe. Uh, I forgot that actor's name, but he was also in uh, The Man from Hong Kong. That was like oh, one no of his way. first movies. Yeah. So he said it's Australian, which makes sense. Yeah. Definitely. Australian. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, those are my three. Uh, Rollerball, Main Streets, and The Man from Hong Kong. Wow. Good choices. Wow. We'll give them a watch sometime too this week. Yeah. yeah. On to the main man himself, Dave McLean. It's your turn, man. That's your list. Okay. Thank you, Nick. Um, 
So I think I'll be going three to one. So let's go with number three. So Taxi Driver, Mars Scorsese, Robert De Niro. It's it's just connection. Absolutely iconic. And what I love about it, especially, is it's it's really it's just so gritty and. You know, you see the societal woes of the time through the eyes of this very, like, anonymous, everyday man that, you know, he finally snaps and he decides he needs to come a vigilante and fix the problems he witnesses on a daily basis. You know, like, 70s Times Square, New York, was yeah. a really pretty dirty place. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, obviously it's completely different today, Times Square, so, like, commercialized, but... You know, it's it's interesting to see it in the time and place how it was like a really seedy part of New York and mm. yeah, it's just everything about it's like the time and place. It's like so historically, I think um, important. And you know, obviously, he's ex an ex marine from the Vietnam War and everything. So there's just so many great elements of social commentary in the film, and it's it's a shocking film. By the end of it, you're just like blown away by how dark of a turn there is and yeah it's 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 an experience great menacing score too yeah the soundtrack Yeah. yeah And very culturally significant and even inspired and many films today, like Joker, for example. Like yes. Taxi Driver was a huge influence for Joker. De Niro's also in that movie too. Exactly. I think Scorsese yeah. produced the Joker. I might be wrong. I mean he better have. Well executive executive produced. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's influenced so many other movies. The the cinematography is outstanding. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a perfect movie, I think. And it really you just you feel like you're in that time, like in the seventies when you watch it. It's just so it's just so for the like from the time, I guess was what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Mid seventies, right? Amazing, amazing film in every in every aspect. Uh, I gotta watch that again for sure. And Albert Brooks pops up briefly. That's true. For the connection. Yes. Taxi driver and then drive. Oh. Yeah, it's good stuff. Those are like my favorite movies with him. He's a great, great actor. Um, number two, I've got Apocalypse Now. Ooh, nice. Popular. Oh, boy. <laughs> my number one favorite, as mentioned on Nick's episode, or in, or in our episode, um, the war genre episode we did that was my number one war film of all time and yeah it fits into number two in my 70s list so uh, yeah what, what i mentioned in that episode is essentially just shows the horrors of the vietnam war again it's really it's just a beautiful film that's influenced so many other movies after it and some amazing performances like marlon brando's performance is legendary and the the scope of the project was so hard to pull off and they somehow did it and yeah. martin sheen was amazing in it i, I bet it's a production nightmare for the cast I'm guessing mm-hmm. absolutely yeah oh, yeah by the way because of since i heard um i think it was either charlie sheen or emilio estevez was like in apocalypse now they had a really small part because the dad is martin sheen Right. Yeah. You're right. I'm not sure who it was. It was one of them, I think. Had a really short part in it. They must have been so young too. Yeah. Let's what see. a what a, an environment for your young kid to be on. Like that like yeah. insane one of the most infamous insane shoots. Like they made that documentary Heart of Darkness on like yeah. how kind of crazy Francis Ford Coppola was in the making of that movie. And poor yeah. kid. They don't even know what's up. Like, hey, <laughs> yeah. war movie. Yeah. It's a very pretty two Walks. and a half men. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Yeah, the cast is unbelievable. You know, Marlon Brando, Robert Duvall, Martin Sheen, Lawrence Fishburne, Dennis Hopper. Oh, yeah, right. Harrison Ford. Lawrence Fishburne. It's I think that was like one of his first movies, I think. Well, it had to be. Like, that's that's crazy yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was something else. Something else. One of those movies you never forget when you watch it. No. Just, it's amazing. Uh, of course the door is the end. The door's the end. Yeah. The final scene is just it's just Yeah. Just can't like redo something like that. That was unbelievable. Uh-huh. Unbelievable. Uh what what do you guys think like 
have do you think it's a too like that, some criticism i've heard from it is that it's too long maybe what do you guys think is it too long in your opinion well i would know since i haven't seen it but here's the thing before like back back then i i had a bit of trouble like watch, watching really long movies because you know i i usually i can't finish a long movie in one day so i usually take have to wa watch it like one day at a time basically so it's kind of troubling for me yeah because they do have this one sort of like 25 minute scene 30 minute scene in the house of a like a french family's house in vietnam and it, it's a little it drags on a little bit i, I think that's yeah. the redo i watched the redo version first i haven't seen like the other yeah yeah. So I think it's the extended that I watched. So that's why it is like. I, yeah. I typically like long movies. I'm a bit of a weirdo. Like, look, <laughs> Nancy Myers gets a lot of yes. crap. She makes these rom-coms are like two, close to two and a half hours, and I'm like. Great! You spend more time learning about the characters, relationships. Sometimes, Good like, director. if it's just like flat out like ninety minutes, like you kind of miss like those nice little character beats and stuff. I know this is from going from rom com to apocalypse. Now it's kind of polar opposites, <laughs> but it's just some long movies. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I like long movies too, like The Godfather Part Two. Which one's your favorite long movie, guys? Favorite long movie. Yeah, uh, hmm. I think The Godfather Part 2 for me. Oh, nice. I mean, one of my all-time favorite movies in general is Magnolia, and that's like 310. Uh, that's P 310? Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. Still got, I still got to see that one, too. It's a tough sell, because it's also like emotionally draining, which they should have put on the poster. Three hours and ten minutes. Emotionally draining. <laughs> yeah. I heard it's like, yeah, I heard because like I saw the the trailer in it of it and just like basic summaries of magnolia but isn't that movie has like some like really like deep like life like lessons and stuff right oh yeah i try to watch it every year despite me being emotionally draining so i i like it so i like when the movies like that but... love pt oh, yeah, sorry 70s <laughs> 70s go back my bed <laughs> I think... but yeah apocalypse now i love love that movie I think it's like the redo is like three hours. It's a two hundred two minutes, so that's three hours and a half, three and a half hours almost. Three and a half hours. It's a very yeah, just just about, I guess yeah. Also, I, I heard um, Martin Sheen. He had like a, some sort of like heart attack during that movie, or like a stroke or something. Oh my god. Yeah, it was very stressful. Production. Yeah. So it's a miracle it worked out. I think like Jaws, it's it's like a movie that's like it's a miracle that. It, it was as good as it is, but it's also a miracle that it actually, they had anything to begin with. But was there a real shark in Jaws? That was a real shark? No. I'm just kidding, I don't think so. No. Okay. <laughs> Jaws won. Oh, Maddie, that's his catchphrase. He says, I'm just kidding. Just, just, yeah. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I, almost blew a, I almost blew a vessel there for a second. Someone actually joked with me like... Someone told me that joke when I was like in elementary. They're like, "Yeah, the the, the shark in Jaws that was real," and I was like, "What?" <laughs> That's some talented shark. Yeah, knows they just it. It. <laughs> yeah. knows its spots. Can do a hundred takes. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, your third movie, right? Yes. So number one, I've got Clockwork Orange. Which I only watched last year, just last year, which was some experience. To, you have to a like... heavy top three day. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty right, yeah. I know. They're all got to go outside in the sunshine after that top three. <laughs> I know. They're all yeah. They're all pretty dark. They're, all, they're yeah. <laughs> Good movies, guy. though. <laughs> I have amazing soundtracks, though. Yeah. I talked about all three of them with like a huge grin on my face. I'm just like, yeah, Clockwork Orange. <laughs> I love the Clockwork Orange soundtrack, though. But there are such good movies. And I mean, like, they all have a really good message in them. Clockwork Orange is, you know, it's a criticism of the prison system, um, sort of like cycle of mm -hmm. once you're in it, you're always going to be back in it. And how, yeah, there's, it's just, I don't want to spoil too much about it because that's like a huge part of the actual like reveal but uh yeah, yeah. 
it is so good and it's, it's so disturbing but it's also like it just visually is so like beautiful like the every scene the architecture is amazing it is yeah the great, set design is yeah very nice oh absolutely the aesthetic is just brilliant the whole way through it's just so iconic to you how the how the movie starts out too Mm-hmm. Like it's like, damn. damn. Yeah. Yeah, it's an important movie, I think. Like, it's not for you know. It, I, I would wait till you know you're like an adult to watch it, but it, like I was like last night. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> it is Jeez. really. It is really. I first saw it in junior high. Whoa. That's like borderline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would have been scary at the time. Very scary. <laughs> But I was into, like, the 70s movies in junior high, so I was okay with it. Yeah. yeah. I put it off for the longest time, even though I love Kubrick. I just never got around to it, and then it just came up last year. And, um, we watched it, and, yeah, it was... I, could, I can't believe I waited that long to see it. Malcolm McDowell. Mm-hmm. Good actor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, Dane, you gotta watch Jaws now. That'll be the next <laughs> yeah. The topic of today's episode. You gotta watch it. Absolutely. I'll let you guys know what I think about it. I'm excited. excited. Yeah. Thank you, Maddie, for the recommendation. I appreciate it. Anytime. <laughs> Just spread the word about Jaws Underground. Yeah. Jaws. Just this little movie. I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> Very underground movie with a real shark. <laughs> oh, I need to start telling people that. Like, fun fact: Jaws is made with a real shark. <laughs> the first, the first one is um, an amazing movie. That the first Jaws is great. And then, like the rest were well. I didn't see, I didn't see, I didn't see two. I saw three and four, but like, oh. you're not missing out. Yeah, don't don't watch two. <laughs> what, what 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 happens on two? Because I know three is in a water park. I think. Um, is it two like? I remember like one opening sequence of people like water skiing. Was that two? Oh no, I think that's I three. That's been. three, the third one. Uh, or it could be it wrong, I'm sorry. Then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Four was really bad, though. Oh, yeah. Understatement. <laughs> it says, please. Oh, sorry, we, we said we're not going to talk about the Jaws sequels, and here we're talking about the Jaws sequels. I'm just putting up. <laughs> Hold on. Please, Chief Brody must protect the citizens of Amity after a second monstrous shark begins. So that's the thing. It makes sense for a sequel. Oh, a second shark now. <laughs> What? Son of Jaws. There's only one shark. <laughs> Son of Jaws. Son of Jaws. <laughs> Got the birth certificate. We need to hear uh, Nick's top three, too. Yes, Nick. Nick's turn. <laughs> no, uh, oh, right. Yeah, sorry. Forgot about Sorry. <laughs> Friend confusion. So, these are my top three favorite films of the 70s. At number three, we've got Star Wars. The, 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 the very yes. first. Yeah. Very changing. Like, yeah, that was, and I can I can't believe like I started watching before back then when I was a kid. I I wasn't that big in, into Star Wars, but I watched it. A New Hope, like in 2015, which was a month before The Force Awakens, and I was blown away. Like like it's like it's really like this Star Wars. Like it changed cinema forever. Like. When it came out in 1977, like people, they had, they were witnessing something they have never witnessed before, like with the special effects, the characters, like it actually feels like, and it, it feels real. It feels like a place you definitely want to go to escape. That's the whole, like the hero's journey, basically. Mm-hmm. And also, it's unpopular opinion, but. Some people tend to say that Empire is their favorite Star Wars film, but to me, I found A New Hope to be superior to the Empire Strikes Back. I think I agree with that too, because I like A New Hope because it's it's not as like it's not as dark yeah. as Empire. Empire is still great, but I just like the feeling you watch when you watch um, yeah when you watch A New Hope. 
I agree. It's easier easier movie to rewatch a new hope. Mm-hmm. It's just it's more fun. Which Empire's great, but just you know, it's so dark. It's like, as you're saying. It might make sense on Dane's list. That might be your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's my number one. <laughs> Have you seen uh, the Last Jedi? Though, actually, never mind. We're not going to talk about that movie. <laughs> What's your next one, Nick? Uh, well, the next two are actually much darker than the, than the Star Wars. <laughs> At number two, we've got Alien. Yes. Okay. Nice. Love that. Very nice. Mm-hmm. It's basically Jaws, but in space. I just... Yeah. Yeah. Never thought about that, but that's yeah. true. Yeah. Just Actually, love very, true. very just true. true. Just love it. Like, it's... Like the act, great, great acting, and I love the the how they use the whole like the tone, the nothing is scarier trope. Like the like the I mentioned this on our third episode, which was the Alien franchise, because the 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 Alien like the the movie is just it's a nearly two hour film, and you know how long the Alien shows up in the film, just four minutes. In, and in, in just four minutes, just like that, the alien became now one of cinema's most iconic monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's like that's great. Like the, the fear of the unknown. Like the alien is much scarier when you can't see it, rather than when it's there. Even when it's not there, it actually feels like it is. You can feel its presence in every scene. Yeah, mm. that's a great point. Yeah, just wow. That's that's crazy. Kind of like Marlon Brando, that's like four minutes at the end of Apocalypse yeah. Now. Well, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. But it's like the mm-hmm. build up, like meeting Marlon Brando. You hear about him the whole movie. It's like the yeah. same kind of yeah. like formula when you think about it. He is the alien of that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was like so like um, obviously not what the, what um, Coppola was expecting when he showed up on set. So. Yeah, he like shaved his head and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's... Sorry, I don't want to talk. I, I'm distracting this conversation. Oh, no, 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 no. Things okay. It's fine. And uh, um, those who don't know that the, the chest burster scene, you know, where the alien is practically born, that that was scene was so well done because fun fact Ridley Scott the director he intentionally did not tell the actors what was going to happen in that scene so what you saw yeah. there that wasn't acting that was genuine genuine reactions they were really really scared like like they they read they read the script but they didn't know how the effect was going to be achieved and the result was a success mm-hmm. I would agree Nice. Yeah. Very good choices. Thank you. Very good choices. Also, it's a, I mean, it's also a great way to end the the seventies cinema because Alien came out in nineteen seventy nine, which was the end of the seventies. So, great way to end on a high note. Mm-hmm. Come. Definitely. Yeah, there's something kind of eighties about it. You can tell, like, well, I mean, like late seventies kind of you can mistake it for the 80s quite easily. It's mm-hmm. like, it's that transition, obviously, like, some of the late 70s carried over into the 80s quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was that your number one, or no? Uh, it was my number two. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And before I reveal my number one, I just have just three, just three more honorable mentions. Oh. We got The Godfather. Godfather. Yes. Right. Greatest from all time. And then there's uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> oh, there yeah, you go. That's a good movie. I forgot that. that was in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That movie. Gene Wilder. Gene that's Wilder. Shout out, Gene. Yeah. Yeah. And that's basically the film that sparked my my love for chocolate. <laughs> like <laughs> the, the soundtrack is amazing in that one too. Like just beautiful songs in that Willy Wonka movie. Yeah. Just really like um so yeah. pure and stuff and happy. Stand the test of time, those songs. Yeah. <laughs> so true. If there's one place in fiction I wish existed, it would be the chocolate factory. I wish. I agree. <laughs> I second. I second that. For sure. And the, I got uh, cho- yeah, I got. I'm, 
got chocolate, so. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the other honorable mention, the last one is uh, the the Exorcist. That's my honorable mention too. Okay. I'm too much of a wuss yeah. to watch The Exorcist. It's actually it's pretty scary. Yeah, I'm such a wuss for horror movies. I'm, I'll take your word for them that they're amazing, but I'll be like under the bed if I watch it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a pretty chilling movie. Yeah, it is. Yeah, in fact, so chilling that that back then people they they recommended bring a barf bat when you watch this film. Mm-hmm. Wow, gnarly. Yeah. And it was also a quick fact. It was also a production nightmare because yeah, you know that scene where it's all cold. The director he intentionally lowered the temperature in the in the in the room so that they would get a genuine reaction. And he oh. he even fired a gun next to an actor's ear earshot so they can get a genuine reaction too. And this oh, wow, jeez. <laughs> A recurring theme, though, these production nightmares end up turning these kind of classic movies. Mm-hmm. Not in every case, though, obviously. You don't want yeah. shooting. I'm not endorsing any of that. <laughs> don't endorse any of that. Movies are great. We'll leave yeah. it there. Yeah. I think even uh, the actress in uh, The Exorcist, Linda Blair, she was even scared of like her own character, uh, Reagan. And that she she played that character, but she was like, she was like scared of herself, mm-hmm. and I think she had to like seek therapy after that because she was only like in elementary when she was in that role. Oh man, it's brutal. Yeah. There's also a sequel that was in the '70s, but we won't talk yeah. about yeah. that. Yeah, we're not talking about sequels. That was a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my number one. Favorite film of the 70s is not just my favorite of the 70s, but also my favorite horror film and one of my all time favorite films ever. I give this one to Halloween. John Carpenter, amazing director. Definitely, yeah. And composer. And composer, yes. And we talked about this in our last episode. But yeah, like Halloween, like it's something else. This is the film that got me into horror, basically. Mm-hmm. It was like it feels so so real, as if it really could yeah. happen. Day, the thought of you doing your everyday job, business, and then there's like this insane stalker that's out there to kill you, and you can't be stopped. Mm-hmm. You do, you feel. Yeah. I love how eerie the movie is, especially with the soundtrack and just because it was the first Halloween movie. So they really like mystified like the Michael Myers character. Like they didn't show his face right away, which is pretty cool. Almost almost like Jaws and Alien. So true. It was like a William Shatner mask, right? Like that was like the. Yeah. Yeah. They like cut the the eyes open wider and then they painted it white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my favorite scene, like the scene that really stood out to me, is basically the the entire opening scene. You know, with that mm-hmm. shot where he kills his sister. Shocking! It's scary. And then we, when he they remove the mask, reveals it's a child. That like that. Yeah. Even added more tension. Like if if someone could do this as a child, imagine what they could do as an adult. Yeah. It's great. I I first saw that movie. I think that was the first actual like horror movie I've seen. Wow. Because um, I think it was like from blockbusters. Like one of my family members, they thought it was a kids movie, and they rented it for me. Oh. And I saw, yeah, I saw it, and I was like, good hey, research. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the the cover was it was I remember the cover for like the Halloween movie. It was like a a hand, like it was. Yeah. It wasn't even like a real costume. It was just like a. It just said Halloween, so they probably thought it was a kids' movie, and then yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. But rewatching it, it it's a pretty good, pretty iconic uh, '70s horror movie. Definitely. Yeah. Influences sure. the 
the slasher genre. Oh, yeah, yeah. The 70s was a great decade for horror, too. Not just Halloween, but also the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Suspiria. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's a good movie. Done. Great soundtrack, too, by uh, Goblin. They're like, a, I think, an Italian progressive rock band. Yeah. I'm not sure which uh, country, but... Pretty awesome. Goblin, cool. Nice. Yeah, I love Goblin. Such a great decade. Yeah, like basically to all to all those who want to aspire to become filmmakers and in, in the entertainment industry. Looking at all you guys, we've got the seventies to think because the seventies it introduced all these like these concepts, these ideas, things that no one has ever seen before, and now we are taking those ideas and now expanding upon them. So yeah. the seventies to think. Yeah. So this, yes. And we're even paying respect, like even yeah. how we're dressed now is basically homage to the seventies. Quarantine here. Oh, should I think I have jelly on my shirt? I just realized that's embarrassing. <laughs> I got clean. I like my Loso Spooky shirt. Oh, who cares? That's it. Wait, what is your shirt? What does your shirt say, Ben? Losi Spookies. That's um, the Fred Armisen HBO show with Julio Torres. It's very good, but oh, I'm sorry. Right I, right. That was uh, I just noticed that. Summer 2019. Me and Ben and Camila. That was a good time. That was a great time. Yeah. Wish we could go back to those times. Yeah. We will. We will. Promise. Seventies, <laughs> though, great decade. Jaws, great movie. Oh, yeah. Love Jaws. Yeah. Also, yeah, Jaws also has a really good has a really good soundtrack too. The seventies had amazing soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Uh, there's something about like, well, the eighties like had pretty cool soundtracks too. But I feel like the seventies soundtracks are definitely more like iconic. I think. I think just with the music going on at the time too, everything just sort of like was at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Jaws, the theme for Jaws is basic, was partly inspired by some of the soundtrack Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, the, the shower. Oh, okay. Yeah, actually makes sense. I have thought about that before. Yeah. Hold on, like, really, such a great Well, I, I gotta go to work. But thank uh-huh. you so much for having me on the show, guys. Great chat with you, Maddie. Yeah, thank you so much. This was really fun. Thank you. And I have lunch with my parents too soon. It's Father's Day. So that's all the time we have left. So this has been Sin City, live from CMRU.ca. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Manessis. This is Dan McLean. Thank you guys for coming. Have a great week ahead. Thank you, guys. Day. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. Come.